You're listening to Currents, a podcast of Big Ocean Women. Today's episode is a part of our at-home discussion series. We will be talking to Michelle Moline. Michelle is the mother of six children and grandmother to two. She has worked in marketing and media relations and is a powerful advocate for the good a woman can do when they nurture goodness in their lives. The Currents podcast aims to gather women who are deliberate thinkers, women who are prepared to engage as powerful forces for good in their homes, their communities, and the world. I am today's host, Shelley Spots. Welcome to the show. Michelle, why don't you tell me a little bit about your family and your kids? Well, I have six kids. There are four boys and two girls, and I have two grandsons now. Um, and it has been quite a journey to get to know each one of them individually as people. Um, personalities are different in our family, and it has definitely kept me on my toes for quite a long time. Um, I started having my family when I was 25, and the youngest one was born when I was in my early 40s. So the ages are 37 to 15. And we definitely have a wide variety of uh, needs at the time in different stages of life, um, as well as a lot of um, diversity and, and emotional needs as well. So it keeps me on my toes and I'm super grateful that I have the opportunity to be a mom. Um, it's something I definitely wouldn't want to trade for any other kind of um, achievement in my life. Motherhood is wonderful, um, even if it isn't easy. And even if sometimes it's messy or, you know, we are in our sweatpants or soccer, you know, shoes or wherever life takes us, it is definitely one of the best investments I've ever made in my whole life. That's awesome. I, you know, that is one of the things that surprised me, I think, about motherhood was how different each one of my kids is and I have four and and I don't know I think when you're a young mother you just sort of figure that once you've once you've learned the basics of raising one child when you have this one and then another one comes along that the same things are going to be applicable right you're, you're going to be able to parent in the same way and yet that's not always true so when we are looking at you know parenting a wide range of personality types parenting over a wide range of ages, different needs. How do you stay in tune and in touch with what you feel like your children need from you as a mother? Well, sometimes it isn't easy, and especially if they're all sitting around the table yelling and talking about everything and kind of all over each other. Um, but one of the things that I, I did put in place with my children is to try to book off one-on-one -on -one time with just each child. Um, you know, to, to visit, or even if you are like, if you're on your way to Target or something like, just take one of them with you so you can visit. They're more open about what's going on in their lives when no one else is around anyway. And it gives you a chance to, to spoil them. Like you can get their favorite ice cream or something that helps them feel loved and appreciated individually as well. Um, and then you can have an opportunity for teaching moments too, you know, um, that are not always group therapy. Sometimes it's just one-on-one, -on -one. like, hey, mom, you know, I wonder what you thought about this. And you can say, well, you know what, let's talk about that. I'd love to share that experience with you. And um, let's, let's see what we can do to make that a positive um, event or a positive uh, influence in your life. 
And I think one-on-ones are extremely important. And even if my kids are grown now, I still try to go out to dinner with them. And we still try to uh, catch up and keep up with one another. Um, and so they have not turned me down yet. And I feel like we have some really good relationships because of that. Yeah, I love that. That just that ability to get really, you know, a, an in-depth experience with each one of them. Um, do you feel like you have parented differently with your older children than your younger children? Is this something you did like from the very beginning or is this something that you sort of figured out along the way? Well, let's be honest. No uh, parent ever gets a manual ahead of time that says, okay, so for model number 347-1, please try positive affirmation. For model 3570B, please try large amounts of affection and incredible amounts of patience. We don't really get that. So it takes a little bit of time to learn um, what it is that your child will respond to. Um, and, and then learn to allow them the freedom to grow into other areas too. So it's not just one-sided. Um, I feel like with my kids, now that they're adults, I've had to apologize at least more than once. Um, I'm so sorry. I thought things like that, or that happened to you. How can I make it up to you? Um, and I am willing to pay in chocolate. Um, you can just let me know if that's dark milk or white. And um, please know that you're loved very deeply. You know, that's that's come out several times. Right. I think it's important to not only be vulnerable with your kids and be able to say, hey, yeah, I, I didn't know what I was doing right in that moment. So so let's let's figure out how we can fix that. But like that ability to apologize, I think it's so powerful. Right. And it can totally change the, the basis of a relationship when you're able and willing to say, Hey, I made a mistake here. And, and I know I'm your parent and I know I'm your mother. And <laughs> supposedly if we got manuals, we're supposed to have all the answers. Right. But we don't. So right. it, it <laughs> right. is something we figure out along the way, but, but yeah, that, that vulnerability to say I was wrong in that moment. I think that's incredible. So. It's, it's not like parents are supposed to, you know, that we're born perfect, but we can be born with unconditional love and we can learn patience and we can learn cooperation. And also I think it's important to really listen to our children because they really are so wise. And some of them are smarter than I am. I'm, and they tell me that on a regular basis, but I will <laughs> let you know that, um, the openness between a parent and child is one of the most uh, positive things you can have when you're raising your kids because you always want them to be able to feel secure and safe so that they have issues that come up that they will know that they can trust you and that you'll be there and that they are not in a situation where they have to feel like they're gonna be criticized. I think it's incredibly important to have that, especially in today's world where there's so much going on um, that's hitting our kids in the classroom or in sports activities or in other social um, events to know that they're safe with their parents, to be able to come home and say, you know, this will happen to me. What do you think, you know, what through the good and the bad, I think it's a real bonus. Yeah. I think um, there, there are a lot of spaces now and maybe most spaces where we and our children feel judged in those spaces, right? 
Right. Uh, like we're not doing something well enough or as good as the neighbors or as good as this person on social media or they're you know not making the right decisions or yet there's so many voices that are telling our kids what they should be and what they should look like and what they should do that yeah having that space at home where they can just be themselves unapologetically where they don't feel judged by us. I think that's important, but I do think that it can be difficult to do because I think as parents, we do have expectations of our kids. So how do you create that space where your kids feel comfortable coming and sharing those things with you? Well, for one thing, um, it happens over time. It doesn't just, it's not instantaneous, you know, as you're growing, raising your child. Uh, what I've noticed in my own family is that uh, there have been moments where things haven't met up to, uh, you know, an expectation as you refer to. I think the secret in that is to teach your children a good value system, like help them to learn by, sometimes it's by experience and not just by um, giving lessons and things. So if they aren't making the correct decision, then possibly ask them, well, so how did that make you feel when you got this result? And then what now can we do to improve that? So the next time that happens, you're in a much more positive position. You create an open dialogue, not much so much a, a lecture, you know what I mean, but open, open up and ask them questions and help them to reason it through and, and teach that, um, that there is a respect because all of us are different, you know? Right. And I think when we have that respect for them and the decisions they're making, I think they learn a lot of really powerful lessons. I was uh, doing some research into this sort of idea of how we how we interact with our children. And one of the things that, that this researcher was uh, really talking about was this idea of growth versus fixed mindsets and how we as parents can help our children learn to grow through mistakes and through difficulties and through challenges or, or not, or we can reinforce this idea that they are inherently one thing or another. And I think it's so easy for kids to fall into that space where, you know, they fail a test, they must not be smart, they make a bad decision, they must not be worthy of love. And, and that's sort of the default setting is to feel like we're stuck in this fixed place. But you know, learning how to ask those questions, how to sort of guide them through those experiences can really open them up to more of a growth mindset where they go, okay, I am not inherently one thing or another. Maybe I made a bad decision. Maybe I could have done something different and sort of opening their mind to how they can challenge themselves and change themselves was a really, really interesting idea. And it sort of just fits right in with, with what you are talking about, how you how you parent. So I think that's really interesting. I'd like to talk for a minute about, I know you have been a working mom. I would love to talk about how you balance work and motherhood and family and all of those competing pressures in your life. All right. In your, in your mind's eye, I want you to create this woman who has her hair perfectly done. She's perfectly coiffed. Her makeup is absolutely flawless. None of her clothes look disheveled and she's absolutely graceful in everything she does. And then I want you to take that image and toss it out the window. Okay. Because <laughs> what reality is going to teach us is that, um, balancing acts, um, are a, it's a very delicate dance and sometimes the needs of one area of your life are going to be more than the needs 
you know, the demands of it are going to be higher in one area than there than they are in another. Um, when I had six children, I had to learn how to seg segregate, you know, plan out my day in, in minuscule moments. Um, each of my kids were in different um, organizations and different schools at different levels, um, different uh, schedules were going on. So I used to always pray that someone would uh, develop a holster like they have for in the Western movies. Personally, <laughs> they could do like hot pink or black with some diamond studs. So it'd be a great, you know, little bling bling accessory to my everyday outfit. So I could put my cell phone in one hand and you know, on one side and, and first aid kits and everything else I was going to need on the other side. Um, and I used to pray that my microwave uh, or th that a microwave was going to be in my minivan so that I could feed on the fly while we were getting these kids everywhere. Um, what I feel like it was hap what, what ended up happening is um, a great deal of listening went into deciding what was a priority for the day and according to what my kids needs are. If someone was suffering, you know, so, uh, or in need of extra affection or extra things, I realized that the happier my home life was, the better I was able to function at work. So um, I usually tried to go, if there's no way to give a, a, a pie on it, I don't think. I mean, people who try to, um, I think oftentimes find that it's not really great. So I think the best thing to do is to stay fluid. Always know that your work, your work is important. Your job's important. Certainly we want to be there for our employers and, and be, uh, assets and, and value to everywhere that we work. Um, and so I asked for some cooperation. I was married for 25 years to the kid's dad, and then I wasn't. And so I had to sit down with my children and kind of talk to them, say, look, we've had a really big transition in our lives and let's make this a team effort, okay? I want to be there for you. And the needs are a little bit different in our family than they were before, since I'm gonna be going into the workforce, but that doesn't you know, let them know that they're not you know, down on the list now that they're still a priority, but right. it's going to be a little bit more of a team effort so that um, they would be helpful if they cooperated when we could get the homework done. So I usually gave my kids a little bit of a break after they'd come home from school just to unwind. I usually had some sort of something there for them, veggie snacks or protein yeah. bars or whatever. Um, and at the time I was, a, we had a bistro table that came up. I just would set him around and I would actually say, this is the time that, you know, like you have a, a tutoring time with the teacher. This is mom's time. I'm here to help you with your assignments. And it's from this time to this time. And let's try to shoot for that. Okay. Um, we're going to get this done before dinner, hopefully. And then we can have a nice dinner and a nice evening. Um, and we did try to set goals up and it helped but it was a team effort. And if somebody wasn't able to do that, you know, due to an extracurricular activity um, or something, I mean, the real reality is that you spend a lot of time as a juggler, you know, right? Uh, you know, balancing and juggling different duties and different projects. Um, I think today there's uh, kind of an advantage to the fact that a lot of businesses allow their employees now to satellite from home. So you, the travel time into office, especially with this last year with COVID and things like that really changed uh, some of the, um, the environments that we work in. And in a way it's allowed us to have an advantage because we have more time with our children and we're able to uh, have that one-on-one -on -one, say, all right, you guys, you know, 
what can I do here, you know, and juggle a little bit easier that way. Single moms are heroes to me. They're, I, I actually have a terminology, Shiro, um, because they were amazing, um, you know, talents and amazing skills and just an incredible, um, you know, internal, wonderful makeup that allows them to do this work. Um, they're, they're amazing. And um, having known both sides, of the, both sides of the coin, I, I, my hat is off to all single moms everywhere. And um, those women who have graduated a little bit, like I have to adult children, um, I really feel like that it's really still important for us to still stay in touch with our kids and to let them know, hey, you know, we're still here for you because, you know, they might start their own families. And I definitely want to be there for those moments with the grandkids or questions and things like that. So I don't think it really ever ends. And one of the one of the benefits to to thinking that, you know, you have it all made is knowing that we're, we can all be lifelong learners and and stay open into, okay, guys, what's different? Because we've we have gone through a myriad of changes in technology in our lives, you know, yes. started out with like, this could date me, but like, you know, regular manual typewriters all the way up to the PCs and the cell phones that we hold in our hands every day, which process way faster. And so um, sometimes that can be an advantage to mothers today because it takes less time to track down information or to help a child with an assignment and for communication purposes too, right. to be able to have or instant to, access to your child. Right, or to track down your child. <laughs> yes. I, I remember when I went back to, when I went back to graduate school, my kids were all in junior high or high school and we they hadn't had cell phones up until that point. And at that point I was like, you know, I'm going to be on a college campus for at least some hours of the day. I'm not going to be with them. I'm not going to be near them. So for me, it was a, it was a good like trade-off to say, okay, at least you're going to have a cell phone so that I can get in touch with you and I can keep in contact and, and we know where you are and what you're doing. So yeah, I think technology can be really, really helpful. So there's something about this idea of like juggling and balancing, right? And I think the perception is that everything that you're juggling is of equal weight. We have this mental picture of like an acrobat or a juggler who's juggling like three or four balls in the air all at the same time. And the reality is so much different than that. It's more like you have three balls in an anvil or <laughs> right. The things not do not equal. have equal weight at equal times and they change, right? Yeah. So you have to be really mindful about what you're giving your attention to at any one time. I love that you mentioned the transition from like sort of traditional parenting to parenting adult children. Because for me, that has been sort of where, where my family has, my kids are all really close in age. So I have four kids, the oldest is 24 and the youngest is 17. So we have rapidly gone from all of the kids in high school and junior high to almost all adult children. And oh, yeah. it has been a major change in parenting style. And I think it's not one that's discussed very often. We sort of, we sort of have this mental picture of what parenting looks like. And it doesn't, it doesn't fit anymore once you have adult kids. I think that they have different needs. So what have you made it a priority to do as your kids have moved into that adult space that has strengthened your relationships? 
Well, I stay, I stay in touch with what's going on in their lives. And with using technology, we've created group texts and I will try to, we try to make dates with each other to go out um, to meet up, you know, just catch up. Sometimes if they're, you know, you know, really stressed out, just to send them a love note. Hey, I'm thinking about you knowing full well that they're adults and that they should be making their own decisions because honestly, that's how they're going to gain their life experience too. But to reinforce back, hey, I'm here and I love you and you matter to me every day has kept the door open for many, many years. Um, and they appreciate it. You know, I feel like parents play such a vital role in their children's lives, whether the mom and dad are together or not, that, you know, the, the solidarity there, they know that there's someone who loves them unconditionally, some, someone who is a safe place to, you know, come home to. I thought it was the most darling thing when my daughter, who is now 30, has come over to my house and we do like mom and daughter nights or we'll pick out our favorite chick flick and, um, you know, visit with one another, catch up. But she actually has said the words to me. I loved coming over here. And I, and she says, I, I know I fall asleep, but I don't mean to. It's just that I am so at peace when I'm around you, mom. And yeah. I think, you know, that was such a compliment. There's a lot of stress in the world today. So whatever we can do as parents and moms to uh, create a haven, a safe haven, for our children is appreciated all the way through their lives. And, right. and especially when they're adults, because they're facing some of the same craziness that we are. Right. Yeah. I, the one thing I've noticed is that it does seem to move from more of this hands-on style of physical parenting to more of an emotional style of parenting where, okay. where we have to let them know we're emotionally available for them. So I love that she's like coming over and falling asleep at your house. For some reason, my kids always sleep at, at, when they're home. They're, they're like all home asleep on the couches in the living room. I'm like, I'm so glad that we are so exciting. <laughs> no, <laughs> that everyone is taking a nap. I think you should take it as a compliment because they're at rest. They are at peace. They, yeah. they don't have to feel the agitations that are out there in the world today, the stress of a job. And I think, you know, um, a, being in a parent to an adult child is, you know, like it gives us a chance to be who we needed when we became yes. adults and be able to continually bless their lives. You know, I think a great sense of humor is important too, because, oh my goodness, I mean, there are some moments that you just, you have to make a choice of either to laugh or to cry and crying smears your makeup and also gives you a headache. So I, I, so tend, let's to laugh. Lean, I tend to lean to like, let's how let's find the positivity in there, yeah. you know, learn to not, to not only laugh, you know, um, at each other, but with each other. And I used to tell my kids, I said, you know, I love you all so dearly. And what I really need is for us to grow old together and not because of each other. And so <laughs> We have, we have an unwritten rule about that. So um, it has helped and, and to definitely keep a healthy, you know, a healthy sense of humor does go yeah. a long way. Yeah. Laughing burns more calories and there's a lot less smeared mascara. So it, it's, probably, yes. it's probably the better option there. <laughs> so I am wondering as someone who's been a single mom, who's raised six kids, who, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of pressures that are involved in that. There's a lot of 
demands on your time. How do you make time for yourself to take care of your own emotional needs? Oh my goodness, there, it is so important to do that. I mean, a well can give out all, of, all the water it needs until it runs dry, right? Mm-hmm. And then when it runs dry, what do you have left to give? So carving out time for yourself is really important. And um, I tend to know that uh, there, there are different things that work for different women as they've shared them with me over the years, but it's really important. So if it means that I let my kids know, hey guys, I just need a little downtime or I'm gonna take a walk or something. I'll be back in a little while. Please only, please only bother me um, if there's an emergency that comes up. So let them know as they got older that, they, that that was gonna happen or to read a book. I mean, you can always tell parents are a lot like rock stars, okay? Because if you go to the bathroom, somebody's banging on your door, you know, <laughs> and they're following you down the hall, screaming and yelling and wanting calling your name all the time. Mom, mom, mom. So it's like, you know, you are the rock star or dad, dad, dad. So, you know, we get that, but, um, the importance of, of, of taking care of your own self is vital because if you don't have you, um, then how are you going to have somebody else, you know, and for women, especially, I think it's, you know, I love all the, the feminine parts of being a woman, like, you know, trying a new hairstyle or getting your toes painted or, you know, smelling good, try that new scent, read that new awesome book, you know, and and uh, do something that's going to feed your soul. If you're great at different things, pick up a hobby, keep an interest that's just yours and yours alone. So you can retreat to it when you need to have a little bit of um, fuel put back in your, in your own gas tank. Right. And it's really important to do that. I think, um, I think it is really important. I used to go on walks around the neighborhood and I had a really good friend who lived just a couple blocks from me and our neighborhood church building is just behind my house. And I would be walking around the neighborhood and I would see her in the parking lot, sitting in her car, reading a book in the afternoon. And I would be like, Marianne, why, why, why are you sitting in that car reading a book? (laughs) And one of these, one of the days I was talking to her, I was like, why, why do you go to the church parking lot and sit in your car to read a book? And she was just, she had teenage kids, four or five kids all at home all at the same time. And she's like, you know, I love my children, but there is never a quiet moment in the house right now because they were all teenagers with a lot of different activities. So if I just take myself and put myself in a different space for 20 minutes and can read a book and it's quiet, then I feel like I can go back and I can confront the things that, that need to be taken care of the needs that everyone has. And, and I've given myself a little bit of quiet time. And I thought that is really amazing. I'm going to get in my car. (laughs) I'm going to drive away for a few minutes. One of the things that I've noticed over the last year during the pandemic as everyone has been home is that even though there are different areas in my own home, when I go into a room, my children all follow and they're adults, right? They're like 21, 23, 19. I'll be working in one room and within 20 or 30 minutes, like they're all, they've all gravitated into that room. (laughs) They're like, okay, I'm going into another room to work now. And 20 or 30 minutes later, they'll all have gravitated into that room. I'm like, okay, (laughs) I need to work for a few minutes here. (laughs) 
so yeah it, it's it's finding ways to to balance what you need and and maybe just the quiet spaces that you can create for yourself so explaining to your kids hey i'm just gonna take my own i'm gonna take 20 and um like you know letting them know hey this is my time for a minute um i myself have, have tried the car thing um before like you know having a bunch of little groupies follow you around yes. is very flattering but it also is very draining so i've tried the car thing um i have my own special playlists um that i pull up and oftentimes um I crank it up <laughs> to full volume and, and, and rock out in my own car, um, especially like my way to Costco, Target, the gas station, the high school, the junior high, the elementary yeah. school, and the preschool. And um, those moments when you are alone sometimes in the car can be so valuable. So now I want to um, hear your playlists. <laughs> I'm a playlist junkie. I love, I love, I love a good playlist. So one of the things that you mentioned that can be really powerful in like making space and time for ourselves is like not leaving behind some of those passions or hobbies that we have had. And I love that. I love that idea because I do think that culturally there's a perception that if we are taking time for ourselves in that way, if we're doing a hobby that's taking time away from our family, there is this perception that that's a selfish thing, right? And I think that's something that we have to overcome because, because it's so important to take care of ourselves and to develop ourselves and, and to grow. But also one of the things that I have found is that the more I have engaged in my own interests, the more my kids have been interested in those same things. And so it's almost like I've raised my own little fan clubs of these activities that I love to do. And now that they're older, we can do them together. And, and it's so much fun to have really interesting conversations with these people who I love not only because they're my kids, but because now they're interesting people who are interested in what I'm interested in right it makes it easier right so when you want to get tickets for something everybody's all in yes um, i will say i reckon i i have heard that too and i felt the i felt kicked back myself and um uh stretching my talents and going for it but i want i wanted to just say it's not a selfish thing and i think it's important that we show our children that it, that growing and learning and creating and using our talents all of our lives is important. And when we're lucky, like you are, and they, they like the things that you like, it makes it really easy. But I think it's, it's really great also to give them permission to explore their own. Yes. Um, Cause we can definitely learn from each other too, you know? Yeah. Um, some of my kids like foreign language. I love foreign language, but I didn't always know that. Right. You know, some of my kids like um, uh, different uh, types of music than one another. And so they've had an opportunity to share different things over their lives. It just has come in various ways, but I think diversity is a strength. And, well, and then you can you have know. really interesting conversations, right? As you're yeah. talking about what everyone likes and, I do remember when my kids were really little and I, I had a moment where I thought, I hope as my kids get older, that they have strong opinions and that they know what they like and they're not afraid to express it. 
So this was my thought when my kids were like six and five and two and a baby. And now that they're all older, sometimes I want to take that back. <laughs> because they are not shy about expressing their opinions. But at the same time, it's fabulous, right? To sit mm -hmm. with them and, and listen to them have really interesting dynamic conversations, not only with me, but with one another and debates and sometimes arguments, but more often, you know, just really interesting debates. So I love that as they, as they figure out what they love to do and, and where their interests lie. Yeah. Well, one thing that's really important, it's critical for all of us to learn as a human family is that we're not always going to agree. We're not yeah. always going to be on the same side. So learning, learning how to, to appreciate and respect a difference, I think yeah. is, is, is really important. I think most of what what uh, happens on the outside world actually starts in the home. So when we have the opportunity to, we should always encourage our kids to be respectful. And there are sometimes you have to just say, I respectfully disagree. We're just going to have to agree to disagree at this moment, right. you know, um, and uh, it doesn't mean everybody's perfect and your house is going to be quiet, serene and, you know, <laughs> peaceful and, you know, spa-like and you're in your bliss zones all the time, because certainly that's not reality. But when it, when those conflicts arise, I think that's where the, the benefits of having a good communication with your children open, because even when you are not going to disagree, they're still open to say how they feel and what's going on inside, because if we, we can't be crystal balls with our kids. So it's, I think it's much better for you to have that in your home than to have the one who's really silent, who is, who really doesn't doesn't want to share that you really don't know what's happening. So right. anything we can do to create an openness there is, is probably a benefit. Yeah, that's great. Just this idea that we can disagree about things and it fundamentally doesn't change our relationship, right? We can just right. say we have different opinions. That's fine. Even more than that, I teaching my kids that there is more than one right answer for some things. And mm -hmm. maybe my right answer in this situation is not gonna be your right answer in this situation. And so less of a disagreement and more of a, I'm just gonna give you space for your answer and for you, what you need to do in this situation. And I might disagree with it, but I'm gonna let you have your space and I'm gonna have my space and we can still have a really strong relationship. I think that that, that is, an amazing place to get to if you can get to it with your kids. Sure. And I think one of the uh, ways we can do that is when we ask them, help me to understand why you think that way or why you feel that way. Um, and it comes at a different skill set than just hearing what they're saying. We need to listen to understand. And, and so when we can ask them, help me to understand, or could you clarify what you meant by that? You know, I'd like to know why you feel the way you do. And you've, you matter to me and you value, I value you are two things that we can never say to our children enough. Like there's no limit on that. So um, when we can, when we get those moments where there's disagreement, sometimes, you know what, I thought about it and I said, you know what, I understand where you feel, where you're coming from now. And let's, let's approach this from a different angle. What about if we try this and then to suggest some things and help them to decide so that it's an internal thing. They don't feel like they're being, um, you know, manipulated. Right. What is the most powerful 
what do I want to say, maybe mantra or guiding principle for you as you have parented your children? If you had to give someone one piece of advice about how to be a great parent, what would it be? Oh my gosh, that is, that's a trick question, right? It is a trick question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let me see. One piece of advice. All right. I would say be true and authentic in your relationships with each one of them and love them the way you would want to be loved and treat them the way you would want to be treated. I love that. That's amazing. Yeah, I, so much can be done just by loving our kids and for who they are and for all of their differences. Thank you for visiting with us today. You have been listening to Currents, a podcast by Big Ocean Women. You can find us on the internet at bigoceanwomen.org, on Instagram, and on Facebook. Content created by me, Shelley Spots. Our guest today has been Michelle Moline, a member of the board of Big Ocean Women. This is a reminder that the world is a big place and we are small people, but even small people can bring about big change. Our music is first rain by Ian Post. Editing and production has been done by Ryder Hugh at Fifth East Productions. Please join us again for in-depth discussion about interesting ideas and fascinating people who are trying to make a difference in their communities.